following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you brought us here together today. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we enjoy to worship your name together as a family, that we can open our doors and welcome all who join us. Um, just thank you so much for that freedom. We thank you, Lord, for your word that guide and direct us and show us how to live as we wait for your return. We're so grateful for your many blessings to us. We thank you most of all for Jesus. Die on the cross for our sin. We're so grateful. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. We continue our study in the letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, um, verses 3 through 14. And that's a page 9, 7, 8 in the Pew Bibles. If that's helpful to you, and it will be up on the screen here as well, I think. Now, when we last look at Ephesians together, um, we talk about imitators of God as his beloved uh, children. Be imitators of God. To walk in love, sacrificial love that puts the needs of others before our own. And we're continuing on that theme um, of walking as God's children as we look at chapter 5, verses 3 through 14. I have to ask you, how's your New Year's resolution holding up? I, I make one every year. I resolve to not make any resolutions, so I break it right away, and I'm not disappointed. I have no guilty feelings. Well, I think that um, perhaps as we look at this text this morning, we might think about, well, maybe we won't use the word resolution, but maybe a further commitment to live closer to God's standard for our behavior, for living um, together. So we'll look at this, and I say that so you're in a good mood before we get too far. (laughs) Let's look at this. We start back at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. 
Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and a Christ will shine on you. Amen. Excuse me. Many Christians, and I can say with absolute surety, some of us here today have made the mistake of thinking that since we are no longer under the law, but under grace, that we are not only free from sin, but we are free to sin. I can say that with 100% surety, because I know I'm here at least. We are quick to justify ourselves by quoting Romans 6.14. That's the stating that we're no longer under law, but under grace. God's grace is sufficient for me, and so therefore it's okay if I keep on sinning and act like nothing really happened to me. After all, it's what I believe that matters, not what I do. No amens today? Bunch of liars. See, you're doing it. Now, I admit, like I said, I can say that at least some of us here have been like this because I am here. And if you are like me, and if that's you, I would encourage you to follow the instructions given by the Lord directly to St. Augustine. Take and read. Read the Word. We have it right here in front of us. Several copies in case you need one. We have... um, we have all too often focused on the correct belief, all the while neglecting to focus on the correct behavior. We think maybe there's no connection between the two. After all, God only cares about what's in my heart, right? Still no amens. You're very, you're right on the ball today. Well, you're or sleeping. You, you already tuned me out. Like, this is going to be a bad one. We're just going to smile and nod the whole down. Okay. We cannot make the mistake of separating correct belief from correct behavior. We cannot separate the heart from the hands, as it were. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 18 to 23, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean for us bacon lovers. And he said, what? Don't get distracted. Don't focus. It's my fault. I'm going to yell at you for what I'm doing. Take a breath. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within 
and they defile a person. See, Jesus didn't see any disconnection between the heart and our actions. Our heart is what determines our actions. So we must examine the attitude behind our actions. So we're going to go back to Ephesians and look at verse 3 through 5. As beloved children and imitators of God, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Anybody still wondering if God cares about how we act? These verses here all address the sin of adultery. Adultery of the body, mind, and soul. Sexual immorality and impurity. Now, gone are the days that we can simply say that and everybody knows what we mean. Because all too often we try to justify our actions. We could used to be able to assume that everybody just understood what we meant when we said it. So, in order to avoid folly, I will be clear. Sexual immorality and impurity is any and all sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Whether it be an extramarital affair, premarital sexual activity, homosexual activity, the use of pornography, whether it be images on a screen, on paper, or romance novels, all fall under the umbrella of sexual immorality and impurity. It is all self-indulgent adultery of the body. Okay? Just so we're clear. It seems out of place to mention covetousness alongside sexual immorality and impurity, but in truth it really isn't. Covetousness is the worship of things, of material possessions or money. That's why Paul called it idolatry in verse 5. It's simply the desire for selfish self-satisfaction found in material things, just like sexual immorality is the desire for selfish self-satisfaction in sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage. These actions find their root in our heart. These hard attitudes and actions of adultery to our spouses or future spouses are adultery to the Lord and are not even to be named among us, for we are the saints. To be a saint is a set-apart one. We are set apart for God, for His use. We belong to Him. We are a people who belong to God. And this sort of hard attitude and behavior is not even to be mentioned among us. Not even a whisper. Not that we don't talk about it. I think we need to talk about it so we don't do it. But the, uh, we must not be open to accusation because we, our lives are above board, above reproach. Paul goes on to say, verse 4, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead that let, 
let there be thanksgiving. Where sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness are adultery of the body, filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking are adultery of the mind. When we use our words to tear others down while puffing ourselves up, again, is sin that starts in our hearts. Swearing and dirty jokes and foul language and shameful and disgraceful talk These are all sinful ways that people try to find satisfaction, rather uh, find satisfaction in their words and tear others down, rather than finding satisfaction in goodness and mercy of the Lord. That's why Paul suggests we substitute those things with thanksgiving, use our words to praise the Lord, celebrating God's grace, and extend that grace to others. With our words is what should replace filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking. Now, I have a master's degree in filthiness and crude talk and foolish, uh, uh, foolish talk and crude joking. Um, and I understand that it's difficult to overcome those habits that we establish in our minds through our mouths. But the warning and the instruction is still there. It is there for us. And Paul gives us a stern warning in verse 5, as if we weren't already feeling convicted enough. He says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. You ever just find passages you want to skip over, get to the easy stuff? Let's just talk about love. That's right. Be nice to everybody. This is important. Because this is the stuff that lives down here, and people don't always see when they look at your face. But these are the things that, when it comes up, we should see on the face because we blush. Because this stuff is foreign and uncomfortable. That's the way it should be. The simple truth is that we need to take God's perspective on sin seriously. It's no joke. We are to be imitators of God, not in power and eternity, but in righteousness and holiness. Not be evildoers. Everyone who rests in the idea that it's okay to keep sinning because they're not under law but under grace, as Paul said in Romans 6.14, fails to see the truth in Romans 6.15. When he says, what then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. May it never be. Do you not know that if you present yourselves as anyone, as, uh, to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness? It's serious business. We're not talking about, well, it's just, oh, I've made a mistake. Sin is not a mistake for a Christian. It's a conscious choice. We are set free from slavery to sin. Before we knew Christ, we couldn't help it. It's all we could do. 
But now that we've given our hearts to the Lord, when we sin, we just ask to borrow it back from Him for just a minute. Just a little bit. God, can I... There's some, some stuff. There's some things I want to do. I need to borrow that heart back for a little while. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not, be, uh, do not become a partners with them. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are no longer sons and daughters of disobedience who stand to inherit the wrath of God, but beloved sons and daughters of God who stand to inherit His eternal kingdom. And as citizens of a different kingdom, as he says in verse 7, we're not to become a partners with them. Now, does that mean we can't be friends with people who don't know Jesus? Does it mean we can't do business with them or have any type of relationship with them at all? Well, clearly, yes. We have to become completely separate. So sell all your stuff. We're all going to move into a building here. All right? <laughs> There's the amen I've been looking for. It doesn't... You're right, Virginia. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean that at all. The word translated as partner means to literally share in the possession of something. When he says don't become partners with them, what they possess is the wrath of God. So do not become co-sharers of the wrath of God with those people who are no longer who are not sons and daughters of God, but sons of disobedience. Don't share the wrath of God with them. We don't want to become co-sharers of the wrath of God, do we? I hope not. I hope not. Let's not just say with our mouths, though. Right? Let's start to hear in our hearts. Now, the other side of the coin that I never thought of before this week, to be honest, is when we partner with someone in sin, we not, not only sin ourselves, but we empower and encourage them to sin as well. You ever think about that? Oof. Jesus said in Luke 17, 1-4, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea, then he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. I don't know if you know what a millstone is. We use them for decoration around here. Big piece of granite, right? You want to cause somebody else to sin? you'd be better off tie that thing around your neck and jump in the lake. Do not let anyone deceive you with empty words. It's no big deal. No one will know. Just this one time. Everybody else does it. Nobody's going to judge you. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God is come, comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's not future tense. It's present tense. The wrath of God exists now. Do you know that? It's not just impending doom. It's current. 
and present. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and the Christ will shine on you. Now, we talk about more this more next week, but I'll tell you, we live in a culture now that wants to reframe what is light and what is dark. He says, no, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can do this instead. It's more, it's, it's more acceptable. Be more enlightened. Don't follow the ancient ways. We have a standard that God has given us by which we should live. It's written down for us so we don't lose it. And it's not going to change no matter what our culture says, no matter what our neighbors or family tell us. The Word of God is stand forever. And it is our standard for behavior. And we're going to talk more about the contrast of darkness and light next week. But for now, I want you to know that you know that you know that lines have been drawn. The Lord has standards for His children to live by. And they're not negotiable. As dearly loved children, when we walk according to those standards in goodness, righteousness, and truth, we reflect the character of our Father. We close here. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. By the grace of God, forgiveness is available to us. If we will repent of our sin, confess it to God and receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. While there is still hope, there, uh, while there is still breath, there is still hope. We can be forgiven. It's not a permanent state. All we need to do is repent, turn from our sin, confess it to God, and we will be forgiven. Amen? Let's walk as children of light. Let's pray together. Father, pray that your Spirit would apply 
your word to our hearts and our lives this morning. That we're not here to be condemned, but convicted. And I pray that your spirit would do that work where it's necessary. That our lives would be cleansed from all sin. And that we would not become co-sharers of the wrath of God. But we would know your forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, that any of, any of us here that fall into temptation would turn from it, turn from our sin, repent, be forgiven. But thank you, Lord, that your forgiveness is available to us that our condemnation at this point is not a permanent state, but we can be forgiven of our sin. Well, Lord, I pray that we would not live as your world does, that you would give us strength to say no, to resist temptation, to resist the devil that did flee from us. Because we're your children, and we want to live like you. We want to reflect your character in our lives. We love you, Lord. May we walk as children of light. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, you are our God. And we want to live our lives in praise to you. And we know, Lord, sin is not part of that. But forgiveness is. And we thank you that forgiveness is available to us because of Jesus' death on the cross in our place. And our only hope of salvation for forgiveness is through faith in Him. So I pray, Lord, if anyone here does not know Jesus as Lord, has not asked for your forgiveness, that they would do so now. To confess their sin, to turn from it, confess it to you, and be forgiven by you. Because you did what was necessary for us to be saved. And we thank you for that great gift. May we do our very best with your help to live lives worthy of that gift. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890. 